With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. A podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the indescribable Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff to break down. I know Summer League is not, you know, the biggest breaking news for, for a lot of NBA fans, but we are paying attention to it. We're locked in, Jim. Uh, you've got a bunch of good clips. Uh, you've got, uh, you, we've got some, some breaking news. Maybe not so breaking. Uh, Pelicans are not going to be in the uh, Summer League tournament, it seems. No, it's, it's good to be here, Joe. No, they will not be in this semifinals um, as of Thursday night. A Portland win by a bunch of points eliminated the Pelicans from contention. So they're going to finish. They did finish three and one in pool play, which is obviously a good record. They won their last three games after they opened with a loss to Minnesota that really could have gone either way, but the Timberwolves went on a big run and it turns out that to be the thing that was really costly as far as the Pelicans making the tournament with a chance to win the, the title. Um, Tiebreakers in Summer League are just not the Pelicans thing, apparently, because yeah. I'm sure people remember two years ago they went undefeated, but they didn't make the the playoffs, which at that time was only two teams that they let in. Right. Um, this time, not sure where they're going to finish, but the tiebreaker is going to be, once again, the thing that prevents them from advancing beyond pool play. They needed to win the game Thursday against Charlotte by a huge margin to have a be- much better chance to advance, but, I mean, they were up 18 to nothing at the start of the game, so you're yep. thinking they maybe they do have a chance to win this by a ton. But unfortunately for the Pelicans, Charlotte made a big comeback, made it a close game. Pelicans pushed the lead back up to a, a pretty comfortable margin before Charlotte made another run in the fourth quarter. But you end up winning that game by six points, which is great. Like I said, third win sure. in a row just wasn't enough to uh, to give you a chance to to advance. So they will be playing Sunday in a consolation round game. By the time a lot of people listen to this, I'm, I would think that a lot of the details will be in because we're probably going to hear this at some point Friday afternoon or yeah, Friday we're in the wee hours of the morning right now. Jim's been doing uh, research all night. Yes. And so Sunday they'll play. The earliest they could play is 2.30. The latest they could play is 9 o'clock. Other than that, we don't really have any, any details, but we should be getting them pretty soon. Yeah, so an 89-83 final score did not help the Pelicans. It wasn't exactly a, a barn burner, I guess you could say. Uh, but I guess that, that leads to, to the Jim picture, the Jim's big picture. I'm really trying to shoehorn your name into everything at this point. It didn't <laughs> quite it. work. Uh, but yep. yeah, no semifinals, and the Pels will play in the consolation game. I am constantly in the consolation game of life, Jim. I understand mm-hmm. that uh, frustration. Let's yep. just hope for an earlier tip time because that time difference uh, stings a little bit over here. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants a 9 o'clock central no. game. I think we had that in the game last Sunday as well. So let's see if we can try to avoid the nine o'clock two Sundays in a row, although yeah. they're not going to ask us for our opinion. So we're going to have to just settle for whatever they yeah, give can us. I submit to so. the NBA. It almost broke my mind. Please don't do this twice, but nah, I yeah. guess they don't really care. No, they, they probably don't Joe, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see who the Pelicans play against. Um, maybe they can get their fourth straight win. I, I do think it's been a sure. positive um, trip to Las Vegas overall. There's been a lot of bright spots. There's been a lot of guys that have, 
fared well individually. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, it may not feel good to not be in the tournament, but but you know, give us the uh, give us the the breakdown. Why can we still feel good about this? Yeah, I think especially in the last couple games, to me, the one of the biggest bright spots has been Darian Sebron. He's actually now leading the Summer Pelicans in scoring average at 16.8 points per game. Um, really was the, the biggest factor, I think, in them winning the game on Thursday against Charlotte. He was able to get to the basket a ton, which he's been able to do pretty consistently throughout yeah. Summer League. And that's one thing that um, Coach Casey Hill talked about in terms of just how fast Darion is. It seems like when he puts his mind to it, when he makes the decision that I'm going to try to put my head down and get to the basket, he's almost always able to do that, especially against this level of competition. Right. I think he did the same thing in the G League consistently for um, Birmingham squadron when he was there. Played in a handful of games for the Pelicans, mostly just at the end of games when it was you know, already decided, but he did get that official NBA experience, which was good. But in this clip, um, Casey Hill just talks about how fast – Darion is, and as, as well as what his goal was for this summer league. You know, he's just got such effortless speed. You know, it's funny, you see him out there with the ball, and you don't realize how fast he's going until, like, all of a sudden he just kind of breaks out and he's by himself. Um, and when he does that, he, he brings so many things to life for us, um, not just scoring, but creating other things, creating offensive rebounding opportunities. Um, and then I thought defensively, he really kind of set the tone for us. Um, with that really great start. When he was kind of picking up full, there was a really nice activity level there. So he's been really good. And he and I had a conversation before we came out here. We were standing in the locker room in New Orleans and I said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to dominate. So I'm holding him to that standard. You know, every game I've, you know, get under his skin a little bit with a comment or something like that. And he's been responding, which has been good. Well, you know, uh, just like you, every time we walk into the studio, Jim tells me, I want to dominate. And that's what he does every podcast. And that's what Darion wants to do. Uh, I mean, it seems like it could be interesting having two slashers with him and Zion on the court uh, sort of opens up the floor for more of your spacers. It's It just it adds a different dynamic when all the focus is off Zion and you got to account for Darion. I'm excited to see it, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we don't know how much he's going to get an opportunity sure. to play. I mean, this team is loaded with backcourt talent, so that's kind of one of the things that's ahead of Darion in terms of, you know, just being part of the rotation. But I'm loving the fact that he just continues to make progress. He played so well, like I referenced for Birmingham last year. Um, I think he has kind of a very specific niche that he could fill as a a bench guy in the NBA that can get to the basket. And like I said, just be able to just go downhill. He's so athletic and he's so quick and he's a good ball handler. Um, So he's able to use all of that stuff to, to, he also, I think I was impressed in summer league by, so far, how well he shot from the field. Yeah, shot fifty eight percent from the field, which you you will gladly take yeah. that from a guard or a wing. I mean, absolutely. He's, he's had a he had a game where he was nine for thirteen. I think he had a game where he was eight for eleven from the field. So it's not like he's leading New Orleans in scoring, but he's taking a million shots and right. just jacking up everything. He's doing it in a very efficient manner, where you know he's shooting a really high percentage. But um, he talked about as well in this clip about how some of the other parts of the game where he's done well in Las Vegas, including defensively as well as his playmaking. Um, I just feel like it started with me just, you know, just picking up full court, you know, just making the offensive player feel me, just make sure I'm there, not letting him be too comfortable, you know, like running their offense and stuff. Um, I just know for, for me, I feel like I can, you know, 
get mad whenever I want to. So just making plays for others is like the main focus and then just having that energy to be able to just make myself assertive on the defensive end. I think that's been a big part of Summer League is, you know, you talk to players and you find out from them what they what their expectations are. You talk to them about what you think they, they should do out there. And, I mean, playing against this level of competition, if it's a player who spent most of the year in the G League, you want to see them build on that against – you know, similar, I think, level of, of players. I mean, in some cases, you're playing against more established NBA players, so that makes it a little bit more difficult in summer league. Um, but it's pretty similar. So for Darion to play as well as he has, I think, has been a good sign. Um, another thing that Casey Hill talked about was just the way that EJ Liddell has looked so far. I don't, I don't think he's really done anything, like, stat-wise or even maybe necessarily while you're watching the games that blows you away. Right. But it's part of his progress. I mean, he had the... ACL knee injury last summer league in July 2022. He spent almost a year between playing and games before he was able to debut back this year in the first game in Las Vegas. Um, But Casey Hill talks about just the process that EJ has been going through the patience that the team has with him. And also I thought interestingly, just that he has a little bit of a different role in the NBA and he's going to be than what he did in college. He was a pretty big scorer at Ohio State, right. very productive. Um, one of the guys that was the focal point of the Buckeyes offense, I mean, to the point where he was their best player and somebody that they really leaned on as, okay, you're going to carry us. That's right. not going to be the way it is in the NBA. And obviously on a team that has Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, so on and so forth, yeah. he's not going to be the guy that's you're not going to say, okay, we need you to average 18 points a game. Right, save he's, us. Right, he's going to be, you know, filling the gaps and just doing some whatever the team needs, whether it's defense. I mean, he's shown some good shot blocking in the paint, rebounding, which is something he did well in college. But in this clip, uh, Casey Hill just talks about EJ's role in terms of the difference between what he did in college and the way it's going to be in the pros. You know, he's just, he's going to have an impact um, on the defensive end, no matter what. And he's just so big and strong and physical. Um, like I said, you know, we're going to maintain our patience with him as he goes through this process, specifically on the offensive end. You know, um, in college, you know, he, he was able to play on the ball a lot more. You know, this, the position he plays on this level, he's off of it a little bit more, and he's getting comfortable in those scenarios. Um, but I thought his effort was really good, and we'll just kind of continue to slowly bring him along. You know, he's not quite uh, to where you know we would like him to be, and we don't expect him to be there yet. So this has just been a great experience for him to kind of get his feet back wet. Uh, again, it's kind of hard to extrapolate too much. We don't want to overanalyze summer league, mm-hmm. uh, but it is good to get eyes on on guys like EJ Liddell. Who you know has to get his confidence back after you get injured, just to get out there and bang with other guys. It seems like it probably will do a lot for his mentality going forward. Yeah, I think this has been a good first step for him to be able to get back on the court in games. He talked about how he actually went back to the exact spot where he was hurt last year, which I definitely don't think I would do that. It's, no, it's, yeah. it's that would kind of scare me a little bit or freak me out. But yep. I think it's just part of like the the whole process of mentally getting back to like, okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. right. I can run up and down the court. I can jump in the paint with feet underneath me and I'm going to be fine. I mean, but as I think Casey Hill has referenced, it's not something that you are going to have happen overnight. It's something that is going to take a little time for you to just get back to the point where you were before, where it's not part of your thought process whatsoever. So, um, but the game, the, the game against Charlotte, I think was good because they, 
I mean, the the starting five was incredible to start the game. Yeah. They're up 18 to nothing. Yeah. And by the way, I saw the Charlotte Hornets sponsored Twitter graphic where they posted the score because I'm sure they have to do this after every quarter, I'm but sure. from Twitter, they posted the first quarter graphic and it popped up on Twitter for me <laughs> in the for you section. Right. It wasn't something that I followed, but it was just funny to see 25 to five was the score yeah. sponsored by whoever for once the for you section showed you something good and funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was helpful there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, that, people forget, you know, when I, I think a lot of people think when a, when a player gets injured, it's all about the fear of pain, which it's not a lot of times when, when, you get injured, you don't feel what happened. You, there's mm-hmm. just a pop, and then it's numb, and then you know you can't put weight on it. It's it's the it's getting back into the mentality of landing the same way, of of being able to do the things you know you're capable of doing without hesitation, without right. that sort of pause. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's really helpful just in terms of mentality. It's not that these guys are scared of pain or they're scared of maybe uh, you know getting injured the same way more because it yeah. hurts. It's because they don't want to get their another chunk of their career taken. For they don't sure. want to see their minutes diminish. It's it's a hard thing to get over and play naturally through. Yeah, it's just something in the back of your mind that you have to remove, and and sometimes. A lot of times it is a gradual thing where, you know, maybe initially you're, you're trying to convince yourself that you're not thinking about it, but it is somewhere deep in the back of your brain. And then eventually it, it goes away and you realize like, man, I haven't thought about the fact that I was injured in a right. long time. And that's when you know that you're back to where you need to be. So um, I think that's where EJ is. It was great to see him look so good physically and just he had some he's had some drives through the paint, some and ones around the basket where it looks like, you know, he still has something kind of bulky on his leg protecting it, but right. um, I, I think it's been a really nice step in the right direction that he's played the way he has so far. Yeah, especially a guy like EJ who is is trying to fight for a space on the team uh, to see him sort of getting back to himself and showing and showcasing what he can do. Uh, it's just helpful all around, and hopefully his mentality uh, is improving. Uh, speaking of guys whose mentality uh, hopefully can cannot waver. Jordan Hawkins uh, had had another kind of rough night. Uh, you know, he continued to jack him up. It doesn't seem like he lacks for confidence, but you don't want to see it shaken by by too many shaky performances. Uh, we we got to hope that the law of averages sort of uh, comes about and, and he's going to improve it. Uh, but yeah, it's just tough to see the kid struggling out there a little bit. Yeah, it's just from listening to him speak after games and in interviews, it doesn't seem like too much phases him, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's been, honestly, it's just been very puzzling just the way that he's shot the ball. He's probably going through for him. I mean, knowing his reputation and what he did in college, this is probably the first time in a long time that he's had a stretch like this where, yeah. you know, for example, he's shooting um, 21% from three point range. He is taking, he's been taking seven a game through the first four games. So like you mentioned, it's not like he's hesitating. It's not like he's saying like, Oh, I'm not making shots. Right. So I'm not going to take them. So he's been super aggressive, which is, I'm sure, what the coaches want him to do. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, I remember, to use one example that just popped in my head, a few bunch of years ago when Ryan Anderson was here, he had like two or three bad preseason games. Yeah. And people were asking him like multiple questions about how come you're shooting so poorly. And at one point he stopped and looked at all the reporters and was like, guys, no one's going to remember in January that I started preseason shooting, you know, eight for 27 in right. the first three preseason games correct no one's gonna care yeah it was totally forgotten by like the second sure. by the first regular season game it, yeah it, no one so i i kind of feel like that's probably what's going to happen for jordan hawkins is you know hopefully in the, the fifth and final game 
on Sunday, he'll have a, a, a good game and be able to take that into the rest of his offseason. But if not, it's not the end of the world. Sure. And we all know, too, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be when the when the real season starts, but we know that he's going to be playing with better offensive players and guys that draw more attention. So some of these difficult shots that I'm happy to see him take in summer league, right. he won't have to take during the regular year because he's just going to be so much more open when he's on the court with the multiple big time threats that this off this team has offensively. And, and you see the maturity that you talked about. He, he doesn't seem like he's wavering. He doesn't seem like he's in his head, but of course that's got to be part of it. I mean, he's, he's showcasing his skills on the biggest stage so far. I know he's a national champion, but mm-hmm. this is, you know, his, his entrance into the NBA and to struggle out of the gate, I'm sure has to mess with you a little bit and this is maybe growing some calluses for him uh, mentally you know that he might need uh, when it gets tough down the down the stretch in the actual NBA season so as much as you you hate to see him struggle it's nice to see him uh, handling it well so far yeah I mean I think based on what the team saw in him in terms of before the draft when they were deciding who to pick I think he those are some of the traits that he had that they liked about him you mentioned his maturity. It does seem like he's a pretty likable guy. And, you know, like I said, I don't think his confidence is really wavered based on the way he's played so far, but it would be nice to, to bounce back and not have a game like he did Thursday. I think where he was two for 13. I think one of those was a layup. So just going to get back to shooting the way he has his entire life. And especially the last couple of years where he was at UConn, where he shot 38% from the field or from three point range. And a lot of people said, maybe there might have been one or two other guys, but he was in that group of maybe he's the best shooter in this draft class coming yeah. out. Well, what he needs to do is get back to the basics and watch the gym on the court tapes. Uh, oh, they're, that'll they're VHSs. Do it. It's gym and gym <laughs> socks and some real short shorts and a headband. You're showing people how to jack up shots, and it's all about fundamentals, and I think uh, I think he could improve from it, Jim. I, I know you made those a long time ago, but they're still – uh, relevant. I mean, some things just stand the test of time. Yeah. You know? I mean, some things are just. I love the mustache you had in it. I mean, it's it's great. It's just great vintage gym. You know, uh, there is a precedent for uh, players who have played well, struggling in summer leagues, struggling when they're first uh, mm-hmm. getting uh, adjusted to the team. I'm not worried long term about Jordan Hawkins. Let me just say that. As much as sure. we are talking about the woes, because you know we want to see him do well, we're not panicking right now. Right, and I think somebody pointed out that Buddy Heald, for example, shot 22% yeah. on threes in Summer League. I really don't remember that, but I guess that kind of goes to our point of, like, we never really remember much yeah. about Summer League. I'm also League. getting old. I don't remember a lot, so <laughs> I'm just going to believe him. But I just, I mean, I was there, I'm pretty sure, for the Summer League that Buddy Heald played in, and if you ask me, how did Buddy Heald do in Summer League as a rookie, I would have been like, I really couldn't tell okay. you. Okay. Yeah, I think he did great. Yeah. And then they're like, no, he actually shot 22% from three. <laughs> right. So, anyways... I mean, hopefully it's just an aberration and, like I said, something that we won't spend 10 seconds thinking about when the preseason gets here and we see him in training camp and he's raining down threes and he he starts preseason really well. Um, That'll be all we care about. Um, It's funny, just a a random comparison, too, in the other direction kind of shows you – Again, not to read too much into Summer League or preseason. Trey Murphy was phenomenal in Summer League and preseason – and I was thinking, man, this guy's going to make a massive impact as a rookie. Unfortunately, he struggled at the beginning of the regular yeah. season, had a hard time getting out of that. By the end of his rookie year, he was making big progress, made some big shots. And then obviously we saw the player that he turned into in his second year where yeah. he's awesome and he's a big part of the future of the franchise. But, I mean, just just another thing that popped into my head as far as like 
let's not let's not read too much into some. Well, it just sort of shows you what the Pelicans front office values. They like intelligent players. They like resilient mm-hmm. players, mature guys. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. Yeah. Jose Alvarado, Jordan Hawkins. You, you see all these guys, and they are a specific type of mold, and, and you want to see that toughness. So as much as I have been enjoying Summer League, uh, you know, it's 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 not something I'm going to stay awake at night uh, scrolling notes angrily about. If mm-hmm. someone has a, a, a poor night, uh, that's fine. Now, we we know that we're not going to go to the uh, to the Summer League tournament. So as we round it out, uh, what what's sort of on your big board? What are you, what are you hoping to see? Uh, in this next one that that might uh, be able to carry forward or you at least hope to see some improvement. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I know Casey Hill talked about how the goal going in was to have everyone play all five games have in terms of the starters and right. the main guys. I don't know for sure whether that's going to happen or not. Um, hopefully we get to see everybody play. You know, one player that we barely even mentioned today but we talked about a lot in our streaming broadcasts on pelicans.com and the Pelicans app was Dyson Daniels. I yeah. mean, I, I've loved to see the, to watch him, the improvement that he's made. It's like from, a different dude. Right. He's people talked about before summer league even started when he did an interview here, how much bigger he looked. Yeah. Just he's put on, I think five ten pounds. Yeah. I showed he's, him my old VHS of getting swole with Joe and, it, uh, and he's been, he's been nailing I, it. Man. I'm impressed by the results of that. <laughs> yeah. that. That was some game film. That was, that was really helpful to him. Step one, grow your hair out, braid it. And then you start working out. Uh, mm. So that's why my hair is also like this. And I'm looking so jacked. <laughs> but no, he, he's looking great. And, and it's, it's, it's great to see him looking confident. He's done a lot of the stuff that we know he can do well, but just at a higher level. I mean, I, I think one of the things I've been impressed with that maybe wasn't a huge part of his regular season, but something we knew he could do was his rebounding. He had 15 rebounds in one game. I mean, he's been awesome as as far as just his floor game and i don't know if anyone wants to bang with him now that he's looking all swole either you right. know he, he's going to be a, a monster people. in the paint yeah he definitely is but i mean he's done he's really done everything well i think other than his his outside shooting hasn't been great that's something that he's going to continue to work on um but i mean everything else is you you name the category and it seems like he's been really good at it yeah you know, i mentioned the rebounds He's averaging six assists per game. He's averaging 2.3 steals, 1.5 blocks. I think for people who had, maybe didn't watch him play a lot last year or aren't familiar with him, I think the shot blocking, too, has really opened eyes where people who've seen the yeah. highlights or watched the Pelicans in Summer League have been like, man, this is a guard yeah. that's you know, swatting people across. He's huge. Yeah. He's tall and you know smart, and he, he can yeah. read the floor. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's great to see, man. Yeah, he's playing like a like a power forward or a center sometimes defensively, where he's he's swatting people against the backboard and picking it up and going the other way. So, I mean, he's been been a huge part of it. Um, and I guess maybe the last thing in terms of Game Five, just some of the other guys that we don't know a ton about that we got in our first chance to really see just to see some of those guys close out yeah. s- Summer League well. Um, Baton Rouge native Frank Bartley, the fourth, has had some nice moments. Um, also a UL guy. Um, Tavion Jones, I think, has had some good moments off the bench, a couple double-figure scoring games. Landers Nolly also has looked good. So yeah. just want to see some of these guys uh, finish out strong, and and um, and then I guess we'll go from there. We'll figure out at some point in the offseason who the two-way contract guys are going to be. Right. They have three spots for that. Darion Sebron was was one of the two-way guys last year. EJ Liddell also was, but then he was recently signed to a full-scale contract. Yeah. So 
I guess those are the things that we'll be monitoring, but Sunday will be just the final yep. opportunity for these, some of these guys to shine. And we don't want to talk out of both sides of our mouth as much as we were like, ah, a lot of this summer league stuff doesn't matter for this and that. It, it is interesting to see, like you said, Dyson uh, sort of sort of uh, rounding out into form in summer league. And that's, that's more of what we hope to see uh, from some of these players on the fringe is really get to see their skill sets, win or lose. We're not really uh, that worried about the result, but we do want to see the skill set shine. And uh, it has been an interesting little experiment this summer league that the changes have been interesting. Uh, the format's been interesting. Uh, I don't know if, how much the players like it versus us uh, broadcasting it quickly, but uh, it seems like it's a bit of a trial by fire in, in terms of the time you get and how quick the turnaround is. Uh, but it, but it seems like at least they get to run the floor. They're, 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 mm-hmm. they're getting to show out just in a different way. Yeah. There's been a lot of fast paced games. I mean, that's something that's been a staple of New Orleans Summer League for the last few years that you're not getting a lot of 60 to 58 final scores. You're getting stuff that's closer to the 100s, which I think is probably more entertaining brand of basketball for people to watch. But I've been, it's been interesting to see some of the little wrinkles that they've put into Summer League, including the instant replay thing where you can challenge once, Mm -hmm. and if you get it correct, um, you get a second one. I'm fine with that. The only slight concern I have is I think we saw this in the game against Charlotte on Thursday, the end of the game seemed like it took forever. Yeah, it did. And we don't want to see that in summer league. We, yeah. I mean, it, I, we can live with it a little bit more when you and have I'm the And I'm hoping stakes. they were just experimenting a little bit, and that's why they were doing it so much, but it took an epoch of yeah. time to finish We don't want to see that during the regular season. We really don't want to see it in summer league when there's really not <laughs> right. huge stakes. So that was the only thing. I don't know if there was some execution problems with – how it was being implemented specifically in the yeah. game last night, but it just it did seem like it took way too long. Yeah, there was so a that, whistle every play. Yeah, it was rough, and there was a bunch of challenges at the end, and it seemed like for whatever reason those challenges. I've seen a few times in summer league, whether it's the Pelicans or somebody else, where a challenge happens and within twenty seconds they resolve it, but. For some reason, we were getting two or three minute resolutions. Yeah, I know they're having to watch multiple uh, footages. It was crazy. Right. It was like they were diagnosing something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was deadly serious. But uh, we we got through it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're we're hoping for a quicker pace. I do like in theory some of these changes. I, mm-hmm. I like the flopping foul. Yeah. Uh, I I like that they're at least experimenting with some of this stuff. Hopefully the implementation gets a little smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll have one more to uh, to check it out, Jim. Yeah, you know, I think you said the key words, which is in theory. I think some of the hesitation of why some of these changes have been slow slow to be implemented is just the people were worried about, like, it sounds great to do it. It sounds great to have a flopping technical, but the actual execution of it I do think is much more difficult than it sounds right. in terms of asking the referees that are, looking at 57 other different things to say like, okay, that, well, that guy flopped. That's one of the most gray areas is it because you have to sort of referee intent. Whereas like Mm -hmm. at least a foul, you, okay. Skin on skin. That's, that's a foul. Fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this one is sort of a judgment call and it depends on how good Mm -hmm. of an actor a guy is. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah, I, I get why it's tough. Um, but I, I do like to see it because you've seen some insane flopping in the NBA and mm-hmm. it's been one of the big criticisms when people talk about the NBA soft or yeah. whatever. It's the flopping. And so to be able to, to proactively try something about it, I'm all for it. I think there's no pro floppers out there. So that's one, <laughs> right, one right. reason why I think <laughs> the flopping thing gets so much support because there's no fans out there that are like, wait a mean, you're going to take flopping out of the game. It's I'm my not favorite part. <laughs> the flop maestro. He shows up to every game. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen that guy. <laughs> Look, the NBA is a, it's an interesting, league it's one of the few leagues that actually tries new things 
And uh, I am I am looking forward to this last game, win or lose, and I guess we'll see uh, what comes of it. Jim, uh, great breakdown as always, uh, leading this old dog through the mire. And uh, let's hope for a, for a good game uh, as we go into this uh, this last summer league contest. Yes, my friend. I, I'm looking forward to Sunday. I mean, I I do have to say, one of these years, I just want us. I want us to get the Summer League Champions shirt. Yes. That's all I all I want. One of these years I want to I want to be able to say I mean okay maybe it was only Summer League but I want a championship. Same. It would be nice even for the Pelicans to make the championship. They've made the semifinals twice but have not been in the the title game so one day, that's yep. my dream, Joe. And then Jim will immediately cut the sleeves off. And uh, that's just what he does. He, he does. Even the polo shirts have the sleeves cut <laughs> off in Jim's closet. But uh, yeah, most of the shirts I own are Pelicans giveaway shirts or Pelicans shirts of some kind. I need another one. So I'm, I'm with you. We need that one. Uh, thank you for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Uh, we will be joining you once again on Monday, hopefully with some happy news. But until then, Go Bills! Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.